Please stand for the reading of God's word. The scripture for today's teaching is Isaiah 52:13 through 53:12. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being, and his form marred by beyond human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations, and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see, and what they have not heard, they will understand. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their inequities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Nothing like some light summer reading, huh? Well, we are on the home stretch of this uh, summer series. Hopefully, over the last couple of months, you have deepened in your appreciation for the person of Jesus Christ. I hope that you have grown in your understanding of who he is and what he's done for us. And not just that, but you've been moved to worship him, that you're, you are treasuring him more than you did at the beginning of the summer. And you see him in all of the rich diversity of his roles and his character and his person. And it's been really, I've just enjoyed walking through this. We're not done. We've got a couple more weeks, but um, 
really enjoyed looking at Jesus through these different Old Testament themes and stories. And today, we're going to look at our Lord through the story of Isaiah's servant of the Lord, or sometimes people call him the suffering servant of the Lord. And um, I feel like today, maybe more than other weeks, I don't know why this may not be true, but I feel like we're, we're treading on holy ground today. Like this is very sacred material that we're, that we're walking through. And it's true with all of this, but um, we really hear, we get, we get at the heart of things. <laughs> we get at the heart of Jesus. We get at the heart of his heart, what was on his heart. We get the very heart of the gospel in Isaiah 53. And so I, I feel the weight of this uh, more than other times. And I also feel it because we're seeing the suffering of a servant here. And I'm aware that there's suffering in this room right now. Um, I mean, some of us are having fun, good summers, but there's suffering. Some of you are going through really hard things right now. There's grief, there's loss or the potential for loss. I mean, we just heard about the potential loss of one of our dear members. Um, some of you are full of anxiety. Some of you are in conflict relationally right now. Some of you are overwhelmed. You're um, trying to figure out some really hard decisions. And you're, you're just trying to figure out, how do I hold all of this? How do I hold my life and these pains and, and then do life? And I'm aware of all of that. That's, all, that's always present in this room. And, and I feel that, especially as we look at this, this portrait of the suffering servant. So um, I thought it's important to just acknowledge that. This feels like this is heavy stuff. And it's really deep and very important. And this gets to the very heart of reality today. So I'm going to walk you through this. I'm going to walk us through fairly quickly today. Um, this is obviously uh, the prophet Isaiah, and I thought I'd give you a, a quick uh, summary of Isaiah, or at least uh, understand who he is. So Isaiah, I have no control, which I don't mind most of the time. All right. Um, so Isaiah it was a prophet writing in the middle of the 8th century BC. Uh, he's from Israel, writing to Israel. Um, so let's see, I'm struggling here. Come on. No, that's not good at all. Um, all right, this is not working. It was working before. I'd love to have it. Okay, there we go. All right, so uh, Tay, I'm just going to like, this is your cue. Okay, ready? So here we go. Um, his, uh, he's writing in the middle of the 8th century. All right, next. Uh, he's writing against a very dark backdrop, okay? That Israel is, is a wayward people th- at this time. They uh, are not following the Lord. They're not obeying his commandments. They're pursuing other gods. There's lots of injustice. Uh, their hearts have become wayward. And so he is speaking into a backdrop of sin and disobedience. Um, and he is prophesying about God's discipline of his people. God always promises discipline when they, when they disobey. And Isaiah has to give that hard message. The discipline is going to be exile. That foreign nations are going to come in. They're going to conquer both kingdoms. They're going to carry them off into exile. That's the threat. But finally, there is this great theme uh, towards the second half of Isaiah of, of hope. That God will not abandon his people, that he will bring them back from exile, he will restore them, and he will renew his people. All right, so um, beginning in chapter 40, uh, the book takes a turn. The first 39 chapters are almost all dark. It's not, it's, it's slogging through just dark warnings of judgment. Beginning in chapter 40, you get this new theme of hope. It's not all great from then on, but it starts to turn with these, these phrases, comfort my people, comfort my people. And then this prophecy of God is going to redeem and restore his people. And in these chapters, you're, you're wondering, okay, you've got this wayward people, and yet God's promised to renew them and transform them, yet their hearts are so 
so this would be, how's that going to work? Like, how's God going to do that? And in these chapters, this mysterious figure begins to appear throughout Isaiah, this figure of the servant of the Lord. And in God's dialogue, he starts mentioning this servant. And we get to, as, as we, if you were to read Isaiah 40 to 53, you'd begin to, through these different little mentions of the servant, you develop this portrait and you piece together this picture of who this servant of the Lord will be and what he will do for God's people. And so I want to, uh, uh, today, we're, there's actually four servant songs that the scholars call, there's four servant songs in these chapters of Isaiah. We're looking, our, our passage is on the fourth and most famous of those. But I want to give you a flavor for how the portrait of the servant builds um, through Isaiah. Isaiah 42, 43. All right. Okay. So um, the first, first one is this. Why don't you go there? So this is um, Isaiah 42. And God starts talking about the servant that he's going to raise up, that's going to redeem his people. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nation. So he starts on this high point. He's going to be filled with God's spirit. He is chosen by God. And his role will be to bring justice. Not only to Israel, but to the nations. Okay, next slide. Uh, he will not shout out or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. And a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. He's not going to bring justi- justice by force or domination, but by shouting. Instead, he's going to move quietly, but confidently to establish his justice. There's a certain kind of person he's being described as. Okay, next. Uh, he will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teaching, the islands will put their hope. Next. Uh, Now this is the Lord speaking to the servant. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. Uh, To open the eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. So we get this first portrait. It's very positive. The servant of the Lord filled with God's spirit. He's going to bring justice. He's going to do it quietly, but confidently. He's going to work on behalf of the poor, the needy, those in prison. All right? And then the next two songs, though, this theme of conflict emerges between Israel and the servant. So next slide. This is song two. I'll just give you a flavor for it. This is the servant speaking. Before I was born, the Lord called me. He said to me, you are my servant Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. But here's the servant speaking. But I said, I have labored in vain. I've spent my strength for nothing at all. So he's doing this ministry to the people, but they're not receiving it the way he had hoped. And he's feeling in this moment, I feel like my labor is in vain. And yet he turns here, yet what is due me is in the Lord's hand, and my, my reward is with my God. My, my ministry isn't feeling as effective as I hoped, and yet I'm doing this for, for the Lord, and he will reward me accordingly. But you begin to see that there's some conflict between him and the people. They're not receiving his ministry, at least the way he would want. Next slide. This is song three, okay? In song three, the conflict intensifies between the servant and God's wayward people. The sovereign Lord has opened my ears. Again, this is the servant speaking. I have not been rebellious. I have not turned away. I have offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and splitting. So you're getting a sense 
Here, go back to the last one. You're getting a sense of, of the conflict that he's experiencing. People are beating him, uh, pulling out his beard, mocking, all that to say. They're, they're not receiving this ministry that he has. There's this growing intensity of conflict. Okay, last one. But because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint. And I know I will not be put to shame. I'm going to experience um, conflict with the people. And yet God has given me this calling. And so I'm going to set out. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to be moved. But I will pursue the plan that God has for me. All right. You, see, you get a sense of this servant. Okay, it's building. You feel this conflict. And you're, you're wondering after these three songs. All right. So God has appointed his servant. And yet there's this growing conflict. Yet the servant is there to help save the people. Well, how's the servant going to save the people who are in conflict with him? (laughs) How's that going to work? I don't understand that. And the solution to all of that comes together in this fourth song of the servant that we get in Isaiah 52 and 53. All right. So this one really gives us the heart of the matter. gives us God's answer to how he's going to redeem his people through the servant when in fact the people are rejecting the servant. All right, so let's walk through this. I imagine for most of you, this is very familiar material, yes? This, this is pretty material. Okay, this, let me remind you, this is written hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus, okay? Amazing. <laughs> All right, let's keep this in the context of Isaiah for a second. It begins in, uh, we're back in chapter 52, verse 13. Uh, it begins on a high note. See, my servant will act wisely, he will be raised and lifted it up and highly exalted. That sounds like the first um, song. But then it immediately takes this very dark turn. Okay? Verse 14. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. It's this, this grotesque picture of the, of the servant. He will be disfigured that so much that you can, you can hardly recognize him. If you look at 53 verse 3, the second half of verse 3, it says, uh, like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem, right? There's something he's disfigured. His face is so marred that people are like, I don't even want to look at the servant of the Lord. And, and they turn their faces from him. And you're wondering, okay, so the servant is, is raised up and lifted up and highly exalted, and then he's disfigured and despised. Well, how does that all, how do, how does that all fit together? We'll find out when we come to Jesus. Uh, verse 3, look at the beginning of verse 3. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. The servant that God has chosen will be this man who knows pain and grief. He'll know what it means to have his reputation tarnished. He'll know what it means to be rejected by the people. And so it's this strange God's chosen one being rejected and marred and despised. And then in verse 4, we get to the heart of the matter, okay? This is the essence of it. What is going on here, verse 4 through 6? Here's God's solution to the problem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him, the servant, the iniquity of us all. Okay, this is at the very heart of the servant's ministry. His, his ministry is precisely to suffer, to be crushed, as it says. 
to bear a punishment that is unbearable. But what you find out is he is not suffering for his own sins. He is not bearing a punishment that he himself deserves. The people don't understand that. They think it says, we thought he was suffering for his own sins. We assume he's suffering because of his own foolish choices. But no, no, no. He's suffering for the sins of the people. He's bearing the grief of the people. The servant is carrying on himself the punishment of the sins of God's wayward people, Israel. He's taking on himself the punishment that they deserve. And in doing so, that is how he's bringing healing. That is how he's bringing peace. That's how he's bringing redemption to God's wayward people. He's bringing them redemption through his own suffering. Verse 10 says, this is all part of God's plan. Look at verse 10. It was the Lord's will, or some translations, it was the Lord's good plan, or even the Lord's pleasure, to crush him and cause him to suffer. Isaiah is saying that this this tragic thing, it, it, it looks like an accident. It's not an accident. It's not a mistake. It's not just happening. No, this was part of God's plan. This is how God designed it. It was for his precious servant to suffer for the sake of his wayward people. This is all part of his plan. And the servant seems to understand that in this passage. Somehow he, he, he understands it. That's why he embraces his suffering with resolve. Um, He embraces it. Look at verse 7. He was oppressed and afflicted, but he didn't open his mouth. He was led like a lamb, look at this image, like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep, when it's being sheared, is silent, so he did not open his mouth. He doesn't lash out. He doesn't retaliate as he's he's being beaten. He's shockingly silent and submissive to the whole process. It's as if he knows this is part of what's supposed to be happening. And so he submits himself to this process of suffering. He suffers to the point of death. Look at verse 9. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. His suffering ends in death. And then, in verse 11, the theme turns to hope beyond his death. Look at verse 11. After he has suffered, after he has died, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Beyond death, he will see the light of life, and he will experience satisfaction No longer suffering, but satisfaction. Why? Because he will see that his suffering has justified many. That his suffering and death has been the means that God has used to bring redemption to his people. To bring forgiveness and freedom. To to have it where his people are, are clean and right and whole in his sight again. So... There's so much we could talk about there. (laughs) Um, But that is the dark story that Isaiah tells. (laughs) It is a dark but beautiful and redemptive story. The suffering servant of the Lord, he is God's answer to God's wayward people. He comes to God's people. He experiences rejection and suffering and death. And yet that very rejection, suffering, and death is the means by which God saves his wayward people. That's the story of Isaiah 40 through 53, the suffering servant of the Lord. 
All right, so let's turn to Jesus now, okay? I mean, you barely even have to. You probably were with Jesus through this whole passage that was written hundreds of years before Jesus came. But let me just point out a couple things. Um, Throughout this series, there's been a thought in my mind um, with almost all of these themes, but especially this one, of trying to think through what was it like for Jesus um, to grow up at his time? What was it like for him to come to a sense of his own identity and vocation in the world. And I think we don't think about this. We, we kind of go straight like, oh, I know Jesus was God, right? Jesus is God. So we just assume like God like downloaded omniscience on him when he was like two years old, right? Like, boom, he's God. He gets it all too. And scripture says precisely the opposite. Luke's gospel says, no, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man, okay? He is God, but he is fully human too. He's a human being and he has to grow like any Jewish boy in the first century, and so for me, it's this, it's really, we'll never have an answer until we get to ask him one day, but to consider like, what was it like for him to grow up and to come to over time, a sense of who he was and what he was called to do. And I think of that, especially here, what would it have been like for him to grow up and to go to synagogue, you know, on Saturdays to study the scriptures and then to study Isaiah and to sit with these suffering servant songs to ponder them, to pray about them as a boy. And then at some point, to grow in this conviction that he was called to be and do what the suffering servant was called to be and do. And I don't know if that's like voice from heaven, you know, when he's 12. I don't know if that's the Holy Spirit gradually impressing this on him. It's just his, his study of the scriptures in, in relation with God coming to what, what, a, what more precious thought in the universe 